I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it to the Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Steve. I'm one of the EPL Roundtable's resident Arsenal fans. I am also uh, the founder and runner of FindPubSport.com, and you can find me at FindPubSport.com on Twitter. Hi there, my name's Ghetto. I'm a contributor to the Jackcast podcast. I'm a Swansea City fan. I'm also a reporter for the Carmarthen Journal. So if you are one of the very few listeners who lives in West Wales, then you can pick us up every week. Hi, my name is Mark. I'm going to be representing uh, Liverpool tonight. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter afterwards, it's at Mr. Mark Simpson. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, we have Making the Round, where we'll each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. All right, so Steve, Arsenal, midweek, uh, a lot of trauma for Arsenal fans. <laughs> we're, we're already starting to see the Arsenal out guys popping their heads up. You know, it, October, you know, seems like about the right time of year for that to start happening. Uh, what do you make of all of that? And I'm assuming you're still Wenger inning. Uh Yes, I'm very much in the Wenger in camp. It's 20 years today since he first came to Arsenal, if you can believe that. Um, so that's How deserving run. that Monaco took points off us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the, I suppose a uh, big picture, do you want the good news or the bad news, Kev, to start? Oh, I'd love to hear some bad news for Arsenal. Okay, the bad news is, is that we're rubbish. Um <laughs> We managed to take a team that has never won in the UK or some such um, and make them look really good by variously letting them run run into our box unchallenged, dropping the ball into our own net um, and just generally getting out of their way whenever they attack just after we'd scored, which is always handy. Um, I mean, it's a Champions League game, regardless of the level of competition that you expect, you'd think that the team can get up for it. but every time it looked like we got back into the game and every time there was hope, I mean, it got the first time it didn't take them that long to, to get the lead back again once it had gone from nil one to one all. And then it went 2-1 to 2-1 and then immediately 3-2. Um, and uh, obviously a lot of people have been pointing fingers at Arsene Wenger for picking Ospina and at Ospina himself for uh, the error that led to the second goal. And it is a horrible error. There's no getting around it. Um, However, uh, I think Arsene Wenger was right when he said in the post-match interviews that to blame it on him for selecting Ospina or to blame the whole result on Ospina as an individual is a farce. That was the word he used, and I think he's absolutely right. A, because there were a lot more people who made mistakes in that match um, who weren't Ospina and if we'd have not made those mistakes and even if Ospina had then made his one mistake and dropped the ball into our net we would we should still have had too much uh, for that side I mean no disrespect um, to the teams lower down the Premier League but Brown Adey who wasn't a success at West Brom was playing for the opposite team as was Cambiasso who had a brilliant season at Leicester last year but he's obviously not in the prime of his career at the moment. So they had and good Alfred players. Alfred guess on, former, former SC Heronvane hero. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, they are good players, obviously. They're playing in Europe. They've been their league champions for however many years. But at the same time, Arsenal should be taking those teams apart at home. Um, there were certain times last night when I just felt sorry for Alexis Sanchez because he just did not stop running. Uh, and chasing down, and he he just seemed to want it. And he must he sometimes he must turn around and just think, 
what the hell is everybody else doing? Um, so, um, yeah, it was a disappointing night. I did see uh, an article today that did say that Arsenal still have a good chance of going through, uh, obviously only if results go quite the right way. Um, but we can afford, apparently, if uh, results go a certain way, we can afford to lose and draw the next two games against Bayern Munich. So we'll draw at home, lose away, and still go through with seven points if, if results are kind. So, so the next two games, obviously, they're vital, and a win in one or both of them will be fantastic. But it wouldn't be the end of the world if we didn't, if results go our way. And I don't think we're as far from it because the two teams in front of us have won one game each. We're not as far from qualification as people might try and claim we are. Um, so we shall see. But maybe it's all part of uh, a plan for Arsene Wenger to focus on the Premier League. Um, I, I think he's got two alternative plans. One is to focus on the Premier League, come fourth in the group on purpose, because he knows we'll probably get knocked out by someone in the last 16 anyway, as happens every year. And he really wants the league this year. The other plan is that he really wants to take the mickey out of Tottenham. No offence. Hmm. Um, but he wants to come third in the group, go into the Europa League, win the Europa League, come seventh in the league below Tottenham, but still get into Europe ahead of them. Yeah, I saw something that was uh, pretty <laughs> amusing, which was uh, Arsenal doing their best to get rid of fourth place so that Tottenham won't make Champions League in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the long con. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, uh, we'll go on to talking about uh, the, the fourth place coefficient and all that later on, that's under the topic. But um, but yeah, I think it's going it's, it's to, they've certainly made a hill for themselves to climb. Um, the headline for today's blog on arsblog.com, which for anybody else, uh, any Arsenal fans out there who don't read that on a regular basis probably should. Um, but the headline today was that Arsenal get the Europe they deserve, or Arsenal will get the Europe they deserve. Um, and what he's sort of saying is, if from here our results are middling and we end up going out, we deserve it due to these first two uh, results. But if from here our results are good and we go through, then we deserve to go in. We will deserve above any of the other English teams, essentially, to go into that that um, that second round. Because to come back from here when the next two games are against Bayern Munich, um, to go on a run that that would require is um would would mean we deserve to go through essentially um the good news i said there was bad news and there's good news the good news is that we're brilliant apparently but only in the premier league um <laughs> obviously having welcomed uh having welcomed leicester at the weekend uh difficult game maras has been on form all season the whole team's been on form uh, vardy oh, still on form but it wasn't quite enough to stop a resurgent Alexis Sanchez, um, who I will put my hands up and say that 99% of the time when me and you make opposing predictions, Kev, hmm. you are right because you know more than I do. You are smarter than me and I'm not very clever. You're too kind. <laughs> but last week I said, put Alexis Sanchez in your team. And I said, and you not said to. don't. <laughs> and <laughs> and I seem to have been quite wrong. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that, I mean that that has been in what has been a pretty rubbish second half of the week. Looking back on that, and now looking at the league table where City dropped points, United are top. We have them at the weekend, and we could go ahead of them with a win over them at the weekend. The league, I think, is where it's at for Arsenal this year. So to be perfectly honest, I'm not that upset about going out of a competition in the group stages that we're only going to go out of in six of the last sixteen or the quarterfinals. Yeah. Um, Unless we put together a stellar run, obviously, in which case, fantastic if we get there. Um, but I, I want that league title uh, at some point in the near future. Um, so uh, if we're going to have a chance to do that, no Europe in the second half of the season sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah, European football obviously known for helping drop points from even the best Premier League sides. Uh, a lot of the struggles that, that we've seen from Arsenal have been midfield-based uh, Aaron Ramsey obviously was a huge part of your season for the past couple of years. Doesn't seem to to be at that same level right now. Do you know what's going on with him, or or how you could revitalize that central midfield area? Um, I think it's it's a bit of a weird one because obviously Ramsey had 
an incredible season a couple of years ago, uh, and you can't take that away from him. But he hasn't been at his best this year. A lot of people point to the fact that he's mostly been deployed on the right-hand side, which is fair enough. That's technically out of position for him. Um, but he, what he needs to do is he, he does need to play inside. He needs to play somewhere in the middle. But the, the thing is, he's not as effective in the deep role as Santi Cazorla, and he's not as effective at number 10 as Meza Ozil. And those are the roles he should be playing. Obviously, he's not a defensive midfielder like Francis Coquelin. And I don't think he's as good on the right as Oxlade-Chamberlain. I would rather see Oxlade-Chamberlain inside and have Ramsey as an impact sub because if he comes on fresh in a game with the legs that he's got um, or the engine that he's got, I think he could make a, um, a big difference if he comes on as a sub. Uh, and if that's his role in the team, then I think he should sort of accept it to a certain extent. He and, and maybe that's what he needs. Maybe he's just been run ragged. I mean, it's a, quite a demanding place to play out on the wing in the Premier League. Um, and I think I think I, I love Aaron Ramsey and I love what he brings to the team. And he he actually made a big difference uh, when he did come on yesterday. Yesterday, whenever it was, two days ago, I get all mixed up. Um, but um, he did make a big difference when he came on, but. He's he's not being played in his best position at the moment, and I think he if he is going to play, he needs to be rotated in that central um, central section as and when uh, Cathola is needs a rest or, uh, or or Ozil needs a rest or be used as an impact sub, as I say. All right. Well, thanks so much, Steve. Uh, Gitto, you're joining us for the very first time representing Swansea, so we're going to go a little bit further back. Uh, back to the summer, you had an incredible transfer window, started the season uh, in, in incredible form, were kind of the darlings of the Premier League, much like last year, Southampton. Uh, what have you made of pretty much your whole season thus far? Generally speaking, it's been quite positive. Um, like you said, we, we were all pretty uh, happy with the business that we did uh, in, in the summer, despite the fact that we um, actually didn't do that much business. And we, we, I, I'm pretty sure I'm correct in saying that we spent less than any other Premier League side um, over the summer months. But of course, we got Andre Ayew, um, who is a player who has absolutely set the Premier League alight. Um, he is uh, a very different player to what we had. Um, and, and from the second he signed on the dotted line, I think all Swansea City fans were... Um, very confident that he was going to hit it off here, that he was going to suit the club and that he was going to um, make a big difference. And um, he, he has. I mean, he, he's, um, apart from Bafatimi Gomez, our top scorer, he's scored three goals so far. Um, he's also provided quite a lot of assists. And um, he's not your typical sort of luxury player. He works extremely hard, which may not... Um, be very obvious to um, uh, people who don't watch Swansea live every week, but he tracks back, uh, makes a lot of tackles. So while we were expecting um, uh, a winger who was um, going to be quite tricky, um, going to provide a bit of pace on the wing and going to pop up with the odd goal, uh, we've actually had a, an even more complete player than we expected. Um, and, and he has made a big difference. Um, I, I, and well, we we saw the difference in the first week of the season. Uh, we got a two-all draw against uh, Chelsea and Stamford Bridge, which uh, at the time was one of the happiest feelings I've had as a Swansea City fan. And I've I've had a lot of happy feelings over the last few years. Um, but that that seemed like an absolutely incredible result at the time. Now that we've seen how Chelsea have been, um, we're possibly regretting that we didn't get the three points mm. um but it was a it was a great day out um and and since then uh we we've uh, been very very impressive at home but away from home we've started to um show signs of weakness um at home we've beaten newcastle 2-0 very comfortably um helped by a red card to tagalion mat um, we then, of course, beat Manchester United. I think I'm right in saying we're the only team to have beaten Manchester United so far um, this season. Um, but it is becoming a bit of a regular occurrence for us. Um, I'm very happy to say. Um, yeah, I, I think the best tweet I saw after that match was, uh, hey, do you remember uh, when you beat United, which time? 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just you know it it it's just we we are becoming their bogey side at the moment, which just seems weird considering where we were just about ten years ago. Um, but it's it's a nice feeling to have you know half the world's football sporting population hating you uh, all the time. Um, so yeah, it it fills us with joy. Um, and then and then the last home game we had uh, what I thought was a, a pretty impressive nil uh, nil draw against a very good Everton team. Um, who will probably regret that they didn't take three points, but I thought we were quite solid, very well organised, and um, deser- deserved the point. Away from home, it has been a bit different since that unbelievable Chelsea result. Um, we uh, lost, of course, um, away at Watford, um, 1-0, and, and didn't play very well. We played a third of that match against 10 men after um, Perani's uh, red card, and it didn't really look any different. Watford were just better than us on the day. Far more uh, well-organised, more energetic and just uh, looked more comfortable than us. And then over the weekend, um, we lost to Southampton 3-1. And again, Southampton are a very good team. Um, I didn't actually expect us to win, but the man of the defeat um, was disappointing. Um, We didn't really seem to settle, conceded a goal very early. Um, and just, again, looked second best and looked uncomfortable away from home. Um, we did um, end a minor goal drought, um, thanks to a penalty from Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um, but, of course, that result means that we've dropped into the bottom half, which is by now actually uncharted territory for us. Um, it's been quite a while since we weren't in the top 10, and a couple of fans have become jittery, obviously overreacting. Um, but it doesn't look to be getting easier because we've got a match against Spurs on Sunday. Um, we, we never seem to play Spurs at the right time. Um, they've got an incredible record against us. We've taken one point out of the last eight meetings, I think. Mm. Um, so they are very much a bogey side in the Premier League. And um, just when some fans are starting to get jittery and starting to wonder where we exactly are heading this season, um, perhaps uh, Spurs isn't the best game for us to be playing, but hopefully they'll have a minor hangover after uh, tonight's Europa League performance. Yeah, a lot of those struggles, uh, at least from a neutral perspective, seem to be coming from the fact that Gilfie Sigurdsson hasn't started his season nearly as well as he started last year. Uh, I mentioned early on in the season that I thought partially it might be that with the pace of Jefferson Montero and Andre Au, you're largely foregoing that area of the pitch. Would you agree with that sentiment? And do you think Gilfie Sigurdsson will find form soon? Yeah, Gilfie Sigurdsson's been a massive talking point for Swansea fans so far this season. He hasn't begun the season as well um, as he did last season. In actual fact, the second half of last season, he was um, quite hit and miss, um, which is quite unusual. He is a brilliant player, um, but he hasn't found his form this season. There are calls, of course, for John Joe Shelby to um, take his place just behind Gomez. Uh, and then get Ki Sung Young uh, into the holding role, mm. uh, which I, I don't think is a bad idea. I, th- I think it would maybe do um, the team and so you said a bit of, um, uh, well, quite quite a bit of good to uh, make that change. Um, but it is it is a bit of an issue because he's he's at his best an extremely creative player, um, and last season he supplied so many of our goals. And this season, he's just not quite clicking as he was. He's working very hard, but that finishing touch that makes the difference at the top level hasn't quite been there. Uh, interestingly, you mentioned Jefferson Montero there because uh, another player who, at his best, is unbelievable. In my opinion, one of the best wingers in the league. Mm. Um, certainly, certainly one of the fastest. Um, and at the start of the season, he looked outrageously good. I think uh, Brennan Savovanovic is still feeling the after-effects of his brutal performance at Stamford Bridge. Um, and, of course, he got Daryl Yonmat sent off against Newcastle. But yeah. the Messed biggest... Messed Darmian up pretty good against United as well. Mm, oh, well, absolutely, absolutely. But um, what, what, he did actually play against Man United. And that, that, that's, oh, did he not? Yeah, oh, that's, was that the first one where he missed out? That's the problem. He has injury problems. Um, if he didn't have injury problems, I'm convinced he'd be playing for a, a Champions League team. Um, but he, he just he's very susceptible to, to injury, largely because of his pace. He, he only has one setting, and that is high speed. Um, and therefore, his hamstrings are liable to injury. And Gary Monk 
is always having to make this juggling act to try and keep him on top form, but not push him too hard so that he gets injured. And that balancing act is quite difficult to manage. We found it last season as well, where he had some games, which are absolutely outrageous. I mean, I, I'm sure Steve remembers um, the performance against Arsenal at the Liberty, where he, again, destroyed um, Callum Chambers, um, a performance which probably lingered long in the memory with Chambers. But we, we can never seem to keep him fit for long enough, and he takes quite a long time to get over injuries. So he's turning into quite a luxury player at the moment and not someone who we can depend on to be 100% every single game, which is a shame because when he's on top form, we are so much more confident of getting results. Um, but over the last few weeks, he's been building himself up and up and up and um, hopefully now um, against Spurs on uh, um, on Sunday, we can uh, see him back to his best. Yeah, and is Frank Tabano anywhere near the side being knocked out of the Capital One Cup? It, it looks like he might not have a chance anytime soon. I think he got an injury in that game as well, if I'm honest. But um, he's... Tabano is a, a, an interesting player. I saw quite a bit of him for Sanetian last season, uh, and he impressed me every time I saw him. He's got a lovely left foot. Um, he's, he's an attack-minded left-back who doesn't neglect his defensive duties, but... Um, he was brought in really to challenge Neil Taylor, um, who had a very shaky start to the last season, but ended the season well. And Taylor started this season pretty well. Um, and therefore, Tabernu just hasn't, managed, hasn't been given a chance, um, which is a bit disappointing. I never like seeing a good player left on the bench, and uh, especially when he's signed for us. Uh, in the summer, maybe he had bigger expectations. I mean, he's left the team that were pushing for Champions League place in Ligue 1, and he's come to Swansea, who are a, a much smaller club than San Etienne. We're not going to kid about that. And he suddenly finds himself on the bench, and he can't be happy with that. Um, I, I, I hope he gets a chance at some point because he is a good player, um, and he impressed in pre-season. Not that pre-season is anything to go by. Um, but we do hope to see a bit more of him, um, even if that may mean leaving Taylor for one or two games. All right, thanks so much, Gitto. Uh, now, Mark, you're currently on as Liverpool are playing 1-1 at the moment. Uh, calls for Rogers' head have been quite loud and uh, often this this week and previous weeks as well. Where do you stand on that whole situation, and, and what would it take for him to lose his job? Yeah, um, yeah. When I uh, said I was going to come on the pod, uh, I totally did forget that there was a, a Europa League game on this week at eight o'clock on, on a Thursday. So uh, thanks for giving me the score updates, and I think that gives you a good idea of just how uh, bothered this week uh, I am about the Europa League, and, and it's all about the Merseyside derby. Uh, it is probably one of the the biggest games of of uh, Brendan Rodgers' Liverpool career because, like. You, you, the question you ask, what would it would take? It would, you know, his, I think his his career and his managerial career at Liverpool does hang on on a, on a performance at uh, at Goodison on on Sunday. If um, if he loses and he, and he loses um, like he did against Manchester United a couple of weeks ago, then I fear come Monday Tuesday he'd be uh, he'll be out of a job. It's it's it really has snowballed um, over the course of the last few weeks since. Um, the West Ham game was a sort of a starting point, if you like to say that snowball. Manchester United uh, game definitely helped it along, and I think Carlisle was a, was a major tipping point for a, a lot of Liverpool fans. Um, it all as you know, it stemmed from the last twelve to fourteen months, really. Uh, it's it's just last season was a was a. Was a crazy season, uh, and and you know you lose Suarez from your team, and then you lose Danny Sturridge through injury, and, and you know you're taking out a lot of your goals, and it's just been uh, one sort of um, uh, mess up after the other by Brendan Rodgers and, and by the guys that are around him and, and his team uh, to how we've got to a situation where um, we lose you know 80% of our goals from the year before, and we're replacing them with with Mario Balotelli and, and Ricky Lambert, which. You know, it was a massive contributor to how we did last season. Uh, the six-one at Stoke stands out not only for Liverpool fans, but for a lot of fans. Uh, you know, is, is a point where people thinking that it was a surprise that he actually started this season. And you know, he's um, he's gone to the board and he's, he's you know he's asked for his way, his men, his 
his uh, his signings, a, a new direction in, in the coaching staff. And uh, I think the book really does stop at him now. He's the last man standing. And unfortunately for him, this season has, has not gone very well. You know, a couple of scrappy one nils, but the actual performances weren't the best. A good performance at the Emirates against Arsenal, but that was just a draw. And then from there on in, it's just really gone downhill. Uh, I actually thought, off the Carlisle game that he was he he was going to go. Um, it was such a poisonous atmosphere in in, in the Anfield stadium afterwards that it it was. Uh, I just thought there was no point of return. And you know, there's a lot of rumours going around on Friday that um, doesn't matter what the result was against Aston Villa, he was gone that night, or you know, he's gone on on Sunday or Monday. And then you know, the rumours were gathering more than one person was saying it. It wasn't just silly. Twitter rumours that from uh, an Indy Kalir account, it, this is like, uh, you know, proper, proper uh, rumours people saying so. And, you know, it, it got to a point, uh, I think it was his press conference, he looked like a man who was talking like a man who had lost his job. His, um, there was no, normally, I don't know what it's like at the clubs from, from Steve Gutter and, and Kez, but on a Friday, the, the team do um, training and it's all, it's, it's always photographed. Uh, from uh, the, the, the official account, uh, and then it goes up onto the site. You know, it's all laughing and joking. There's none of that. There's no, there's no photographers there at training that day. It was total lockdown, and a, and a lot of people were saying that Roger didn't even take the training session, um, which was, it, you know, it, it just looked like it was a guy who was going into his last game in charge, Liverpool Football Club. Um, they got a win. You know, it was a, you know, it turned out to be a scrappy win, but it was. Uh, it, it was a win, and maybe that has just bought him some time going into this week. Yeah, there are rumours that um, other managers have been spoken to. There's a rumour going around that Carlo Ancelotti has been chatted to. Um, there's a rumour that um, Klopp is wanting to be spoken to by Liverpool. Um, I think his agent is doing everything that he can to get him uh, to the Premier League in his next uh, in his next job. Um, so it, it is finally, finally balanced, and I think. For a lot of Liverpool fans, and, and don't include me in this bracket, but I think a lot of Liverpool fans are going into Sunday's game knowing that if Rodgers loses, then loses his job. Um, I think a lot of Liverpool fans, as mad as it sounds, want them to lose the game just to get rid of him before this, you know, for this international break, which is which is madness. It's it's got to the point now where I, I think people are sort of comparing him to Hodgson, which is a lazy comparison, and it's nothing like what it was when Hodgson arrived, but it. It's a sort of like what it was with Moisey at United. It's getting to that stage now. And me personally, I, I don't think it's if Brendan Rodgers loses his job. I think it's a matter of when he loses his job. Yeah, I'd actually be interested to get your take on this, Gitto. Obviously, Rodgers, formerly manager of Swansea. Uh, are any of these issues that we're seeing from him now things that you saw uh, back in his stay in Wales? No. Um well, inf- there was some criticism of inflexibility when he was here, but he was at a very different club with us. I mean, we, we were getting promoted from the championship um, to the Premier League. He was doing great things with us. And now he's gone to Liverpool and he did. Um, we, we saw quite a lot of what he did well at Swansea uh, when Liverpool had that amazing season when he finished second uh, in, in the sense that they were speedy wingers. But the, the one thing I... I that there was similar between Rogers at Swansea and Rogers at Liverpool is that speed wins you games. Um, at Swansea we had Sinclair and Dyer who were brilliant wingers um, who really tore teams apart. And it was the same thing with, when uh, you had Suarez, Sterling, and Sturridge up front. When those three were really firing, I thought Liverpool looked absolutely unbelievable and they were very difficult to deal with. And I, I, you know, it all goes. I think it all goes back to. Um, Suarez leaving that was what clicked um, this demise and Rodgers has never really got over that and obviously the poor signings don't, don't help um, and it does look from an outsider's point of view as though Rodgers has really gone beyond the point of no return now I, ca- I can't see how he's going to actually turn around this situation and no, I, I, I was just going to say Guto you're absolutely right it, it, it was speed that got uh, such amazing results in that season and it was speed on the break you know Liverpool basically tore teams apart by by hitting teams on the counter with 
Suarez, Sturridge, Sterling, and you know, backing up with the passing ability of a Coutinho and a, and a Gerard. Rogers' downfall has has always been his ability to line up a defence. You know, he, he's he's always going to concede you over forty goals, forty five goals a season, and and unfortunately, it's you know, that season was amazing and it, it broke all rules, it broke all narratives, but it all comes down to the fact that. City kept more clean sheets than than us. You know, goals win games, clean sheets win championships, and and, and that is what it, what it what it came down to. And that season was amazing, and he did so well. But he he was he had a massive uh, one up on 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 all the competitors um, because you had someone like Luis Suarez. But of, of course, we had no Europe. We're only playing one game a week. Where all all of our uh, you know Chelsea, City, um, United, you know, they're, they're all having to do the two games a week. You know, Liverpool had a massive rest, and Rogers is, is is a training ground manager, and I think you know you'll relate to that, Guto, is that he he basically he's a, he's probably one of the best coaches um, in the English game, probably one of the best coaches in in Europe, but he's a good, he's only a good manager, and and I think that has shown since uh, we've got back into Europe, and I think it's shown more. Since that he's had to uh, juggle a few things and obviously losing, you know, losing the goals as as far as in storage. Yeah, speaking of sides uh, playing two matches a week, including Europe, Tottenham today drawing one one with uh, Monaco. Uh, but I don't want to talk about that. I was at a wedding over the weekend. Didn't get to talk about Tottenham's win over Manchester City. And so that's all we're going to talk about for the rest of the podcast. I'm just kidding. But seriously, <laughs> it was such an amazing result. I only got to see the first 20 minutes or so before I had to leave uh, to travel. So I ended up watching it Sunday night. Uh, and even on delay, it was so exciting to see Tottenham playing as well as we did. Yeah, we had the huge result against Chelsea last season, uh, the 5-3. Uh, but that was largely based on counterattacking play. Uh, and obviously a couple of mistakes at the back, which led to a couple of their goals. But we were just better than Manchester City in that match, and I think that's a very surprising thing for most people. I, I do think it's worth pointing out that while people were quoting how great Manchester City's defense had been, and now they're in catastrophe mode, that the reason they were doing so well was the trio of Hart, Mangala, and company, who were neither involved as a trio against West Ham or against Tottenham. Um, so the people that are like, oh, well, they were supposed to win the title, and now they won't. I think are kind of missing a bit of the picture there. Uh, I'm not so sure Di Michaelis is in Manchester City's best 11 players. Uh, I know there are some people that think he is better set for the Premier League than Europe, but I'm not sure that means he's specifically well set for the Premier League. Uh, but Tottenham, it was absolutely incredible. Last year, our two biggest issues... <laughs> okay, I'll take that back. Our three biggest issues were defense. That's a whole different issue. But creativity and pace up front. We just didn't have any. And other, outside of Christian Eriksen, and obviously he's been injured much of this season, but he comes back, he's fit. Eric Lamela shows the glimpses of why we brought him in from Roma. Uh, Youngman's son has obviously been terrific for us thus far. Unfortunately, injured. I'll get to that in a second. And then Della Ali, called up into the England squad today, has just been absolutely incredible. Uh, I know a lot of big clubs were in to try to get him in. think it ended up costing us about $5 million. But the fact that he was in League One, what, six months ago? And now he's starting for Tottenham, and now he's in the England setup already, I think is just a testament to both his talent and uh, how consistent he's been. And he's a very flexible player. Uh, you know, we use him as an attacking midfielder in two of his starts, and then this most recent one uh, paired him with Eric Dyer to really shield our defense. Uh, and they did an, uh, an excellent job of that. The one goal City scored coming off a mistake by Kyle Walker, uh, and then they just ran the whole pitch faster than we did. Um, so all in all, I've been very impressed with him. Uh, Hyungmin son injury, I just mentioned. He does have a plantar fasciitis injury in his uh, foot, which I know in American football can take a long time to come back from. Uh, not really sure what his timetable is. Pochettino said a few weeks, so at least that's not vague. Um, so hopefully we'll get more news on that soon. Uh, I know some people are into the fantasy stuff. I think Nasser Chadley is interesting to look at if son's going to miss any uh, duration of time. Uh, but I do think Tottenham's attack will suffer without him because Son and NG both offer the combination of pace and creativity that we're missing last season. And removing Son and NG doesn't seem to be uh, first choice on either wing at the moment, I think could harm uh, what looked like to be the beginning of the Harry Kane resurgence tour. 
But on to today, mentioned 1-1 draw at Monaco, which if you had offered it to me this morning, I would have been fine with. You know, you're traveling to Monaco, they've been in the Champions League lately, they're the only other team that I'm really worried about in this group, and they drew uh, with Anderlecht week one, so we already had a two-point gap coming into this one. Then we see Karabag, who we beat last week, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, um, beat Anderlecht today, so it's just basically down to us and Monaco now, uh, so not too worried about that. But having seen today's performance, it is disappointing that we weren't able to get all three points. Uh, and and Della Ali said as much in his uh, post-match interview, saying it shows how strong we are to come here and be disappointed with a draw, which I think is absolutely the case. <laughs> now we're starting to set the bar higher and higher. So uh, what previously would have been deemed acceptable results uh, are now a little disappointing. Son obviously missing through injury. Harry Kane played the full 90 minutes which uh, I'm not sure is what we really wanted here. Um, I, I'm just worried he's going to get burnt out, and with no sun to spell him, I'm not really sure how we're going to deal with that uh, going forward. So hopefully uh, that's something that, that we can uh, find a way through. It does seem, based on team selection, that Pochettino was very serious in his claim that we are in the Europa League to win it, that we aren't just trying to be in this competition to to you know, play our young players, which to, to an extent we have, but we're playing them alongside some of our better players. You know, seeing Toby Alderweireld and Young Vertonghen and Hugo Lloris, who did have a bit of a mistake today, um, seeing all of them play in Europe as well, I think really is giving confidence uh, that that's where our intent is. And I know a lot of people were complaining that this side's much better than the side we played against Arsenal in the Capital One Cup, but winning the Capital One Cup doesn't get you a spot in the Champions League. I think that's what it comes down to. So, uh, very exciting week thus far. I'm fine with the draw today, considering uh, everything in, in the context in which it took place. And hopefully we can sort it out uh, that, that we end up winning that group and get a favorable, favorable draw heading into the round of If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 16. All right, so speaking of European football, I know uh, Steve mentioned it a little bit earlier. On Tuesday, after we saw both Arsenal and Chelsea lose in the Champions League, the press freaked out. England is the worst footballing place on the planet. They're just awful. They don't know what a football is. Uh, maybe a day early the next day, Manchester United and Manchester City both win in the Champions League today. As I mentioned today, Tottenham getting you know an absolutely serviceable draw. Liverpool currently drawing as well. Do you think that people overreacted to the first couple of results, or are you genuinely concerned about England English teams' performances uh, in Europe? Well, for a start, it would be most unlike the press to overreact to uh, anything. So, um, I think being reasonable is the best way to get views. <laughs> well, totally. Um, yeah, I, I think it seems to have been a bit of a downward trend, obviously. There was a time a few years ago when the English clubs seemed to always be in the semi-finals or finals, and in the last couple of years, that hasn't happened. Um, 
but these things are always cyclical. I mean, there was the year when both German teams were in the final, and then there was the year when both Spanish teams were in the final, and there was the year when two English teams were in the final. I think I think we'll come back round. I don't think we need to push any sort of panic buttons just yet. The um, I think the thing that um, people are worried about is obviously using losing the fourth place spot in terms of um, who get who qualifies. What I would say about that worry is that well, if we are not winning, then we don't deserve it. So. Yeah. We better pull our fingers out. That's, uh, I mean, I say we, as if I can make any difference <laughs> to the whole thing. But I mean, the the clubs basically need to need to start playing better for the Premier League. And I count Arsenal in that as well, obviously. Mm. Also, um, when everybody was freaking out about England being awful, they missed that Roma had a very disappointing loss, and Italy's the team that would be in contention to take that coefficient spot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because because it's I did actually see something on that as well today, um, because it is our place that's under threat obviously a lot of people are panicking from the British perspective or the Premier League perspective um, but the thing is Italy aren't exactly setting Europe alight either um, Juventus haven't haven't started the season well uh, whether they can translate last season's success back into the Champions League we don't know but they're not the squad that they were so the likelihood is they won't quite go as far again and if they're the team that are breathing down our necks I think I saw I'm not sure how all the points work out, but we're still solidly ahead of them by a two or three, possibly four or five um, coefficient points, and it takes a lot to actually. It'd, be, it'd probably be two years before this is of yeah. like immediate concern. Yeah. So, and in that time, there there's every chance that, as I say, it's cyclical. It could come back round again. What doesn't help? Um, two things about the Premier League that don't help. One is that the strength in the Premier League. I know there's always this debate about which is the best league. And the thing is, if you're looking for the strongest teams, because people always say, how can you say the Premier League is the best league in the world when Real Madrid and Barcelona play in Spain? But that's the thing. Real Madrid and Barcelona, that's it. Pretty much. Occasionally, Atletico Madrid come in and, and have a brilliant season like they did a couple of years ago. But really, it's those those two teams and that you expect them to win most weeks. Same goes for Germany and Bayern Munich. Um, Borussia Dortmund are on form again this year. Mm. Italy's a little are up there as well. Yeah, and it's telling that the team that are, the league that are below us, Italy, are a, li- a bit less predictable in general um, because some of the bigger sides uh, from like years past dropped off. Yeah. yeah. So I think what almost doesn't help is the fact that the strength up and down the Premier League is so so high, particularly with the amount of money that's floating around in the middle of the table and even towards the lower reaches of the table. It means that every Premier League game is a challenge for the top teams, which is great. I think that makes it the best league in the world, even if we haven't got the best teams. Um, and I would rather see the best league in the world week in, week out than four English teams in the Champions League. Mm. Um, but that's another debate for another day but it doesn't help in the Champions League that every Premier League game is hard work Um, what also doesn't help in the Champions League is that following on from both Champions League games that Arsenal have had this year have been we we played against uh, Dinamo um, Zagreb and then the next weekend we had Chelsea and then this week we've got Manchester United having played in the Champions League Oh, you had a North London derby midweek last week. Of course, yeah, that's also true. Um, but in terms of like the bracketing of of the Champions League games, they, I think, I I read an article last year. I don't know what it's like this year, but essentially last year, when this uh, subject reared its head again, because again the British teams didn't do too well, or the English teams didn't do too well, they were comparing the fixtures directly after Champions League games when you compared Real Madrid, Barcelona, um, Atletico Madrid and all the English teams and I think they had a couple of the German teams in there as well and the fact is a lot of the time the German FA and the Spanish FA on weekends when they know that the Champions League is preceding it 
make a point of putting the bigger teams against weaker teams. And what that means is that people can play full out without having the need to rotate in the middle of the week. And if they've got tired players at the weekend, they're playing a weaker team. Now, Arsene Wenger was playing the weaker team, in inverted commas, in Dinamo Zagreb. And you could tell he had half an eye on Chelsea at the weekend. Hmm. And he wouldn't have had to do that if the fixtures were, were a bit more kind. And I'm not, I'm not saying they should be. I'm not saying they should be kind. But it's just a factor. Not, I, think it, I think it just plays into it all. And if I think if the FA or the Premier League are going to start worrying about our placement, they're going to have to start looking at that as a factor in terms of where they place the big games. And it's almost part of the problem with the, with the big TV deals is that they need big games consistently and they can't not have any big games during you know, the Champions League group stage. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think the strength of the Premier League and, and the fixtures don't help, but I do think that there will come a time when, when things come back around again um, and the cycle will start all over again and in a couple of years' time we'll be saying how brilliant England are because on one given night all of our teams will beat everybody else. <laughs> yeah, it could be next week and then we'd all look super foolish. Absolutely. Oh, international break. But after that. Uh, <laughs> all right, Gito, obviously you were involved in European football. What was that, two years ago now? Um, what, what, what do you make of all this going on? Do you wish you were back having to deal with all this? Or are you kind of agreeing with Steve that the Premier League is kind of a drag on the Europa League, which is kind of a drag on the Premier League? Oh, for us, we, we loved our Europa League adventure, but it was a one-off for us. I'm imagining for you, Kevin, as a Spurs fan, it's not quite as exciting as... It was when we were straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. You got you got ambitions slightly you know bigger than we have, but um, just as well as a supporter then of a club who's not in Europe this season, it does. And looking back at the last two seasons, we can't deny that the Premier League teams have uh, underperformed in Europe. They haven't reached the heights that they were um, that, that they were reaching in, in in the last decade. But in fairness, they were overachieving then possibly. Um, but uh, I think Steve makes a good point there that the Premier League doesn't make it easy um, for clubs um, taking part in the Champions League and the Europa League. Um, when you compare, for example, with what La Liga, uh, Liga uh, do, they, they give the teams nice, comfortable fixtures. They give them enough time to prepare for the Champions League fixtures because the league see that it is of benefit to them that their European uh, competitors perform well in Europe. And they want to give them the best opportunity for that. Having said that, it doesn't help when I think English teams prioritise the Premier League over the Champions League, which really should be the pinnacle. Um, I, I mean, Steve will will know that Arsenal didn't need to take Dinamo Zagreb for granted the way that they did. Mark will have memories of Brendan Rodgers playing a second team at the Bernabeu. Um, prioritising the Chelsea match which came afterwards and they lost both of them and finished Mate, sixth. I was there. I was there you in the Bernabeu. I, I travelled all the way and I saw the team that oh. you put out. <laughs> you should have seen my face. I was, just pissed off as, I was pissed off as Stevie did on the bench. <laughs> hey, but the best thing about the Bernabeu, they've got heaters in the roof and in the terraces. Like, heaters. It's a whole different level in the Bernabeu. But anyway... <laughs> Why, why do they need that in Spain? Anyway, that's a different question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, and, and fans don't want to see the Premier League prioritised over the Champions League. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that because the Champions League is the highest level of club football that you can play. And that's where all the priorities should be. Kevin, you, as a Spurs fan, had a great Champions League yeah. journey a few seasons back. I remember it. I mean, Quarter final, yeah, it was great. I mean, it's brilliant. This is what every club should aspire to to, to achieve, in. and and you know, it's it's strange seeing clubs put the 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 emphasis on qualifying as fourth choice for a Champions League when then the most they'll get is the first knockout stage. I mean, it's because they don't really approach it in the right manner. Um, it's not it's not even always a case of. Uh, resting players. Sometimes English clubs are guilty of approaching games with a lack of preparation or with a wrong mindset. Um, that's definitely what we... Uh, the wrong mindset was definitely what we saw in the first games in the, this season's Champions League. Um, and it, it's, it, it's, I think, quite naive on one hand. Some people may even call it complacent or arrogant. Um, 
I, I don't think the Premier League clubs have the advantage over other European clubs they had a while ago, and we we haven't really adjusted to it. Um, we need to realise that actually we're not head and shoulders above clubs the way we were before. And when I say we, I mean, of course, our Champions League representatives and Europa League representatives. Uh, and we can't afford to rest players. Um, Premier League clubs do need to show a bit more respect for their opposition because clubs like Olympiacos going to Arsenal, they're running, they run away with their league every single season, Olympiacos. You know they're going to bring their A game when they go to the Emirates. And if Arsenal don't match them in that respect, then they're going to have problems. And that naivety was on show again on Tuesday night. So... And and we've talked, we've spoken about the coefficient and saying that that fourth Champions League spot isn't going to be an issue for a number of years. But if it carries on the way it has been for the last few years, it's going to become a very real problem very 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 quickly. And I'd like to see the Premier League with all its money, without all its advertisement uh, and all its hype, trying to tell the rest of the world that it is the greatest league on earth when it only has three Champions League spots. Yeah, um, you know a lot of great points. Uh, by uh, by both you guys and you know the I think it's a case of where the Premier League doesn't help itself um, to the sheer fact is that a lot of these European clubs they get a, a, a sort of helping hand because they have a winter a winter break you know it gives them a couple mm-hmm. of weeks to get recharged you know injuries can get get healed and and it sort of go again I know Germany and and Spain they massively benefit from it but. You know, we, we call out the best league in the world. Um, it's not the best league in the world. It's the most intense. Every single game, uh, whether you're you're coming up against uh, a Hull City or, you know, a, a Bournemouth for this season or if, if you're against Man United or, or Arsenal or Liverpool, you know, these, these are intense games. The You know, it, it takes a lot out of the players because it's, it's full on from minute one to minute 90. In Germany, in Spain, in Italy, Portugal, wherever you go, you don't get that. You know, if, if you've been to a game abroad or, you've, you, you know, if you watch them regularly, there are some weeks where Bayern Munich can basically walk to a win, where Barcelona can stroll to a win. You know, Messi sometimes doesn't even break out of a sprint and they win a game. And 10 years ago, when English teams were Bossing the uh, the, uh, the the Europe, you know, could you say that the intensity in the league in the in the Premier League wasn't as good then, or could you just say it's down to some amazing managers that that basically won the uh, you know the you know you you got Ferguson, you've got you've got Benitez, you know Wenger got to a, a, a Champions League final in 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 their good times, and you know it's 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 a tricky one. This may sound controversial, um, but I don't think it'd be such a bad thing if we lose a, a Champions League place and we bring it down to three teams. Just for the sheer fact, it would sharpen minds. It would, it, it would totally just throw so much. Uh, was it baby at the bathwater? It, it put the the, the 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 shit would hit the fan, and it would <laughs> really would freak out. Uh, a lot of teams if all of a sudden instead of Arsenal who can just do whatever they do they can have their mid-season collapse and still just get to fourth in a canter all of a sudden that says well now you've got to finish third you know that means out of Chelsea Man City Manchester United Arsenal only three of them would get into the Champions League for the following season I and really do think Liverpool and Tottenham arguably the better team <laughs> yeah, sorry. Let let me say that again. Manchester Who's United, arguing that? Manchester United, Chelsea, and Arsenal. Uh, I think just me, and then Mark uh, helped me out a little. Yeah. Uh, Kitcher, do you want to you want to jump in on this? Swansea, you know, Champions League down. I think he's that speechless. He's gone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like you know, it's 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 never gonna happen. I I mean, as 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 like as much as the media trying to get everybody into sort of this. Uh, just Friori just to say about the coefficient I've never even heard of the word coefficient until last season until the English team started doing bad yeah. and all of a sudden now it's, it's becoming the most boring thing when you're watching a Champions League game when your commentator says oh if they lose this game they get the coefficient it's, it's you know we would have to fall pretty hard and pretty fast for us not to uh, keep these four Champions League places and at the end of the day um, 
not saying that UEFA is dodgy. I can never see a, 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 a world where they are not allowing four, uh, four uh, teams for, for England in, into, the, into the Champions League. It's, um, you know, it, would be, it would be interesting to see, but I just can, can, can never see it happening. All right, all great points, guys. Now we are going to quickly move on to match previews where we're just going to discuss our upcoming matches. Obviously, you mentioned it a little bit earlier there, Mark. Traveling to Goodison in what could be Rogers' last match. What are you thinking of heading into this one? Yeah, it's a big game. It's a very big game. And I'm, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how he, he lines up his team, how he, he shapes up the formation. Um, it's the first uh, away game that we've had for a while. You know, we seem to have a lot of games at home, which has been going with the 3-4-1-2. I'll be intrigued to see if he goes away from home, goes to Goodison with a similar formation, especially seeing how how good uh, Everton are playing at the moment. Um, my only hope is that he goes for it. You know, I would love to see the diamond. Um, if you ask any Liverpool fan uh, what would be the ideal formation for this Liverpool team, it would be the return of the diamond. But uh, Rogers seems to like this three-four-one-two formation, and he, he always seems to revert back to it when it, when he's panicking and in need. I just hope that he doesn't do what he did at United and just goes 4-5-1 and puts Danny Ings as left wing back. It, it just, it just, it, that game was the worst game of football I've seen. Uh, I, I will always say we'll win. I don't care what situation, whether I want the Rodgers in charge or not. I will never bet against my team, especially against Everton. Um, if you want to get a bet and you want to make some money this weekend, I guarantee there will be goals. You know, I don't come looking for me if it's nil-nil, but I'm putting a bet on saying it's <laughs> over 4.5 goals. I can see it being another 3-3. Nice Nathan-Patrick uh, again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can see a Lukaku two goals, Sturridge getting on a score sheet. Maybe a Barkley one. Barkley would be good for my fantasy football team. But, um, but yeah, I can see I can see another 3-3 quite easily. And if you were to ask me, would a draw keep Rodgers in his job come the, come the, the, the Tottenham away game? I don't know. I, I honestly think he needs to win this game. He needs to win to keep up to this. Uh, you know, you, you need to get 10 out of 15 points to get Champions League football. And he's massively behind at the moment. And he's got to get a win. I, think. I, don't, I don't think there's any other result that gets him keeps mm. his job personally. I do think it would be pretty amusing if uh, you got a red card against us and then we won 4-0 and then Rodgers got sacked. And uh, irony, three years in the coming. Um, <laughs> after, after yeah, exactly. Even if he gets through this game, right? Yeah. Uh, and you look at the October fixtures. They're not great. I, I, I can see even if he gets through October internationals, you come the November international window, that is when it'll be, uh, will be, be interesting because October, like, Tottenham away, and you just go from there, it gets crazy. So I, I would personally, whatever happens, I think it's time for him to go in October, get this new guy in, whether it's Klopp, Carlo, or whoever, and. You know, just use that new manager bounce to to uh, get through get through October because it is not pretty. All right, and Steve, your match is not any easier easier as you welcome Manchester United. How do you think you'll fare in this one? Um, it could go either way, couldn't it? It's one of those games. United haven't lit up the Premier League, but they've been getting results. Um, Top of the league and all. Exactly. Um, but that's exactly where Arsenal could be if results go the right way. So, I it's at home, which it's hard it's hard to call whether that's a good thing or a bad thing because it's going to be really tense. Um, and especially after what happened midweek, I think there are going to be um, there's going to be more people ready to jump on any mistakes the team make uh, than there might otherwise have been. But hopefully it's the kind of big game that will unite everyone. Um, no pun intended. Um, yeah, I think um, it wouldn't surprise me if it went to a draw. It wouldn't surprise me if um, there were fewer goals than Mark was just predicting uh, in this one. Yeah, um, two of the top five defences in the Premier League yeah, at the moment. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I mean, we've got to try and combat... We've got to try Marshall Marshall. Um, and they've got to try and... I can't think of a, a, a way of a wordplay thing for any of the Arsenal forwards, but they've got to try and stop Walcott, who's on good form, and Alexis Sanchez, um, who had the bit between his teeth in both games this week, even if he didn't... Um, if, even if it didn't have uh, the desired effect midweek. 
So I think there will be goals. I think both teams will score, but I think it will be low scoring. And I usually go for 2-1 Arsenal. So I'll probably just stick with that just because it's easy. All right, thanks, Steve. Now, Gitto, you welcome Tottenham Hotspur there to the Liberty. You already mentioned we do have a fantastic record against you. What's your view of this match? Uh, we we always do badly against Spurs, it seems. We we um, had a, a nice uh, New Year's Eve fixture um, back in our first season in the Premier League um, where we had a one-all draw. And since then, we have lost every single game against Spurs. Some of them undeserved, but some of them um, ha- have been... Well, actually, most of them have been uh, pretty comprehensive uh, where we just haven't turned up. Um, I, I think that there are quite a lot of questions asked of the Swans at the moment. Is this mini blip that we're having at the moment, is it just reserved for away performances um, or is it now actually affecting our home form, which is usually very good? Um, we, we, it's interesting to see not only the performance, but... Uh, well, not only the result, but the performance as well. A couple of players who um, uh, have underperformed in away games recently. Um, we've also not looked quite as flowing in attack. Uh, and like like you said, you know, we're, we're coming up against a team that's just beaten uh, Man City 4-1. Um, so, we, you know, we're, we're up against it, if I'm honest. Um, I, 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 I'm glad the son is out. Um, because the he looks will be out tomorrow. Son never seems to be out in Swansea. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, well, the the, the Korean player then, uh, he is going to be out, uh, and uh, that that's going to be, uh, I think, a bit of an advantage for us because he does seem to have made a, a bit of a difference in signing. Um, Harry Kane scored last week against Spurs. I'm hoping that doesn't mean he's now going to start hitting the form that he was in last season. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one. I think Spurs are, are, are probably favourites for it, um, but, but it could go either way. I mean, we, we are such a difficult team to, uh, to predict at the moment. We're not quite sure which, which way we're going. Are we really making a push for the Europa League spots like we did last season, or are we going to be sort of... Uh, a mid-table team that's going to do nothing. I think it's a bit soon to really think about that kind of thing. But um, it'd be interesting to know your point of view, actually, as a supporter of Spurs. And, you know, you're, well, you've, ne- you've never seen us beat you, obviously. Um, so I'd, I'd be interested to see your take, really. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely an interesting one. I genuinely didn't know that it had, we had had that spell of success. Uh, the one that sticks most in the mind is uh, the one Gareth Bale match where he was assisted and he didn't pull his leg back at all and he just fired it into the top left corner, much to the surprise of everyone, uh, players, refs, fans, commentators alike. Um, I was right I was right behind it and I just didn't work out what had happened. Yeah, between it was the Hill weirdest thing. And then it actually ending up in the corner of the net. It was just, it, he scored a, a similar goal for Wales against Israel. Yeah. Uh, 3-0 win um, earlier on our qualification campaign and I was out in his for that match it was just a free kick on that occasion where he touched the ball and suddenly you blinked and it and was in gone. the back. Yeah. you're like what happened yeah but I remember that game and it was um, yeah it was a pleasant experience for us yeah and then the other one he loved to Jan Vertonghen back when he used to get forward more that was a, that was a particularly fun one but um, it's kind of interesting we mentioned this on the FPL roundtable the fantasy show we did yesterday uh and it's, do you think, when you see runs like this, where Swansea haven't scored from open play in 294 minutes, Tottenham have the best defensive record in the Premier League, try to wrap your heads around that. And so it's kind of one of those, okay, is that the sign that these are about to break? Or is that a sign of the actual ability level? I think Swansea's attack is too good to continue struggling uh, the way they have recently. I think IU and Montero and Sigerson and Gomez is one of the better front fours in the league. I have several bets on Bafatimi Gomi scoring 15 goals this season. I still think that will happen. Uh, whether or not it'll happen this week, I'm not so sure. Ever fan of the stat, uh, five of Swansea's conceded goals have come to opposing midfielders. And obviously with the likes of Eriksen and Lamela turning it on and Chadley, who scored 10 goals last season as well, I think that might kind of be the undoing here. Uh, and you don't know where it's coming with this Tottenham side because Kane hasn't been in goal-scoring form. He did score his first, but eight 
uh, different goal scorers for Tottenham out of the nine goals with Eric Dyer, formerly of center back, formerly of right back, currently defensive midfielder uh, with those two and almost had another one today in Europe as well. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting one. If you told me you were from the future and Tottenham lost 2-1 at the weekend, I don't think I'd be surprised at all. Uh, and so I think this is a very difficult prediction because both of our sides tend to be somewhat unpredictable. But going with the track record, going with the stats, I'm going to say Tottenham win this one. Uh, probably 2-1. Could be 3-2. You know, I, I would never be surprised by us conceding more goals. Uh, but I do think we might be able to eke this one out. Could it be the curse of the Europa League for Spurs? Oh, absolutely. Speaking of historical you, stats, we are you, abysmal after Europa League matches. Uh, we have a very large sample size considering we've been in it for so long. With Kane playing a full 90 and yeah, I mean... Ericsson it, also played, well no, he played like 86 minutes before Tom Carroll came on. Who, by the way, thanks for giving him back to us, Gitto. I, I, I was very surprised that you didn't make a move, but I guess Jack Cork kind of plugged that hole. I, w- I was a bit surprised too, but like you said, Cork has um, really made uh, Car- really made Carroll redundant at us. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, despite him being a good player, I don't think we were ever in a position to sign him. Yeah. All right, and with that, we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug, or if you'd like to tell people where they can reach you, now would be a good time. Great. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I have been Steve. I'm the Arsenal fan, as you know. And uh, findpubsport.com is a website on which you can find all the local venues to watch sports. So if you're looking for somewhere new to go or if you're in an unfamiliar area uh, in the UK, then uh, then head over to findpubsport.com and see what you can find near you. Thank you. Yeah, um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Kitosawelin, which is G-U-T-O-L-L-E-W-E-L-Y-N. And if you want to uh, read up on Swansea City fans' views uh, on a weekly basis, you can check out www.kamarthenjournal.co.uk. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, Kev. Been a been a pleasure. My I was representing Liverpool, and you can find me at. Uh, get Brendan Rogers out uh, on Twitter. No, I'm joking. It's that, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Mark Simpson uh, on, on on Twitter. Yeah, and I'm your host Kevin DeVries at Kevroff on Twitter. You can find my writings at blog.playtalk.com and theeaglesbeat.com, and on the fantasy show that's up Thursday mornings and this show that's out Mondays and Fridays. So thanks so much for joining us again, you guys. Thanks so much to Gitto for joining us for the first time. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 